Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. Well, when we talk about getting there, we're talking about being on a journey. And I think one of the important things that all of us have recognized is that whenever we have experienced setbacks or obstacles and circumstances that have possibly interfered in our plans, uh, when we have persevered, we've seen how things can turn around. When we don't accept the fate that is given to us and we don't just accept it as fate, but we respond with faith. Instead, we see what God can do. We understand that there are so many things that can happen that are outside of our control. And I feel like part of understanding faith is recognizing that it's all out of our control for the most part, except the decisions that we make. And when we ask God for guidance and we ask Him for wisdom on this journey, we can make decisions that God helps us to experience the blessings that He has for us in this life. I don't think God is about talking to us about getting there. He's about us just understanding that He is able to get us there. He's not there to tease us with this concept. He's there to help us to achieve it. Uh, Did you notice how things have been changing in your life? Maybe you're still in your 20s, and uh, when you're in your 20s, you're pretty much up for anything. When someone calls you up and they say, you want to do this? Your answer is generally yes. You're just going to go for it. When you're in your 30s, you start to think about things a little bit more, and you say, I'll meet you there. And, And the reason you say, I'll meet you there, is because you may not show up, or make the decision to leave early. (laughs) And so you've got that freedom to be able to have an exit strategy. When you're in your 40s, you ask, who's gonna be there? (laughs) Because you've recognized now that there's a lot of people you just don't like. (laughs) They annoy you. You don't wanna spend time with them. You realize in your 40s how time is of the essence And and if this is not going to be strategic in one way or another, you do not want to waste more time in your 40s. And then when you're in your 50s, you just find excuses and stay home. Like you just don't go anywhere because you just realize you don't even have the energy to take the step that you need to take to just get dressed. (laughs) (laughs) and make an effort to interact with other human beings. I don't know what it looks like for you at the stage of life that you're in, but I do know that we sometimes need to ask this question, who's coming with me? And, And the people that we do life with are the people that are key in us experiencing the blessings 
that God has in store for us. We want to be well surrounded. We want people that are going to not only invest in us, but we can invest in them. We want people who are going to lift us up and hold us up, and we want to be those kinds of people to the people we experience that from. The question of who's coming with me is, is a question that we can sometimes ask, and, 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 and at different stages of our life, it, it, it holds a different meaning. It has a different answer. I, I remember in my 20s when I was living in Boston, I asked someone if they would just come with me to Philadelphia because I had wanted forever to try a real Philly steak and cheese. Now, I was pastoring a church at that time in Boston, and I turned to this one guy and I said, hey, are you up for a road trip? And he's like, yeah, sure, anytime, pastor. When would you like to go? How about now? And he's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, do you have a passport? He goes, yeah, good. Um, I've got mine on me already. I was going to do this by myself, but if you're up to it, we can just pass by your house, pick up your passport, we can go. And so we did that. And then we just drove to the border. We uh, drove to Philadelphia. And then when we did this, we drove to Philadelphia, we got there, and then we had to make a decision. We had to make a decision of where we were now going to have this Philly steak and cheese. And there's really this thing that tourists do when they go into Philadelphia besides running up the steps where Rocky ran and the statue and all that. There's a few spots you want to go check out, but one of them was in the movie Rocky, I saw that Rocky was brought to, this, to, to the restaurant that was called Pat's. I said, I want to go to Pat's. And then there was another place called, called Gino's. And the thing is that they're both across the street from each other. And so um, just to give you an idea of what these places look like, we can put up an image of that. And you have the image of these two places side by side, and you have to kind of go and, and just try them. So we did this. We tried them, and it was amazing. Like, we went to both places, and, and after we had tried both places, we kind of decided that we liked one more than the other. I'm not going to tell you which one, because you, you need to figure that out for yourself, because it's like one of those controversial things that people tend to pick one place over the other. But I did this again when I had moved back to Montreal, and I went to the border. And I went to the border and drove to the border, and I was with someone again, and, and they said, where are you guys going? He said, we're just going to go to Philadelphia. How long are you going to be there? Just to get a sandwich. <laughs> I'm like, you guys like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, we just, we just, you know, just want to get a steak and cheese. He's like, you're, you're driving all the way to Philadelphia from Montreal to get a steak and cheese. Yeah. He's like, you guys crazy? I go, no, mainly hungry. <laughs> just had a craving and just wanted to do so the guy's like you know pull over it was an automatic stop <laughs> an automatic stop delayed for another 40 minutes just because we had made this decision and then we just like whatever man like we're going and so we went we ate the sandwich and just drove back and brought some back with us and uh and then again on the Canadian side it's like where did you guys go <laughs> and you can imagine just like just laughing and just a road trip can be fun, right? It can be spontaneous just like it can be planned. 
And the journey that we're on is, is sometimes planned and sometimes it's just things are happening. And it's like things are happening to us and they're spontaneous even just because of the decisions that we're making. I want to give you a backstory on the Israelites who moved out of Egypt, who were delivered from there and made their way to the promised land, to Canaan, a land that God was taking away from its enemies and now giving to them. And the Israelites had been there for less than 40 days. And, and, and after having pledged to keep the law of Moses, imagine, after having pledged this, after Moses had received this, they had already broken the tablets, they had already broken their vow, because the golden calf that they had formed was collected from all of their spoils. And, and the person who did this, who urged them to do it, was Aaron. And interestingly enough, Aaron was the guy that God had appointed to support Moses on the journey. In fact, the Israelites would not have listened to Moses if Aaron hadn't been the one who had spoken to all the Israelite leaders and said, we are going to follow my brother Moses. He's been chosen as our deliverer. He's going to speak to Pharaoh on our behalf. And this is what is going to happen next. He will let us go. And so at Aaron's urging, they were delivered from Egypt. But now at Aaron's urging, they formed a golden calf. And I need you to see that, that, the, that the, the path that Aaron was on is, is a path that we're on too. In the same way that we can be used by God to deliver, we can also be used by God to enslave. No different. Those two roads, those two paths, those two journeys are in all of us. And we need to understand that God was so angered by their reveling and their immorality that he threatened to wipe out the entire nation out from the face of the earth. And he had promised that he was even going to start a new nation, no longer with Abraham, but now with Moses. Did you know that? You can read about it in Exodus 32. God says, if this line of people from Abraham are not going to follow me, then I'm going to start a new line of people with you, Moses. It's pretty awesome and pretty frightening at the same time. Awesome because it shows you that you cannot stop the plan of God. And frightening because it's possible that we may be excluding ourselves from it. And so what God is saying, I don't want this to be you. I don't want this to be your life. So I'm going to tell you the stories of my people so that you understand what happens next. And what happens next is that Moses prays. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's a time in the Scriptures where one of Moses' prayers is, is recorded in the Scriptures. It's not often that we 
get this opportunity to see what Moses prayed to God. What would make God call him a friend, someone that he would want to talk to face to face? But we see in the scriptures that Moses petitions God to spare his people. And even though Moses broke the stone tablets, it, it, it doesn't get God angry that he did that because what, when Moses did that, while it looks like it was an act of his own anger, what he was revealing was God's anger. He was revealing God's wrath. That's why God never judged him for that. He wasn't judged for that because when you break God's law, that's what it looks like. The tablets are broken. And the covenant that was made is broken. And so what Moses does next is that he smashes the idol that was formed by Aaron. And and the Bible says that he melts it, burns it so that it melts, and then he ground it into fine powder. And after that, this is the craziest part of the story, he makes all the people drink it. And I think to myself, why? I believe that God was showing them the difference between what it looks like to follow Him and experience His blessing or to experience the bitterness from a cup of our own making. Do we want to drink from that which comes from idols? Or do we want to drink from that which pours out directly from God? God would one day instruct Moses to strike the rock, and, and as he would strike the rock, the water would come and flow from it. In the same way that Jesus would be struck on the cross and, and he would be speared in his side and the scriptures say that water would flow from him. We have an opportunity to drink from the cup of idolatry or we have an opportunity to drink the cup from the Savior. A Savior that offered the cup to the woman at the well and said, are you not tired of drinking from this earth? from its pleasures and from its corruption and from its brokenness and it's from its isolation. And look at you coming at the hottest point in the day. Look at you hiding from everyone because you cannot stand even before your peers and not be shamed and judged and not feel the shame and judge wherever you go. Do you not want to drink from this cup? This cup that I have for you? This cup that is eternal life. Right now, we have a choice that we can make, a decision that we can turn to, and we can say, I am not going to drink from the cup made from idols. I'm going to drink from the cup that is made from the Lord. King David was this incredible leader, and, and one of the things that just endeared him to his people was that he did things that no other leader did. 
One day he was talking about how he wanted the freshness of water, how he, he just yearned for the water that came from a pool that was under siege. It was impossible to get to. And so one of his mighty warriors hears it, and the Bible says that this guy risks his life to go and get him the water, and he brings it back to David. And David, instead of drinking it, he does the unimaginable. In front of the soldier and in front of all the other soldiers that were with him, he takes the water and he pours it out on the ground. And everybody's shocked. And they're thinking, what is David doing? How disrespectful, how dishonoring to this mighty warrior and to the honor that he had to go and get that very thing that he expressed just simply out of desire. Should this man not be honored? Should he not be praised? Should he not be made of an, exa an example of, of what it means to be great and to do great things? And then David explains that the reason he poured it out in front of the Lord was because it was too precious to drink. The only person who was worthy of it was God himself. See, we're used to just drinking what's best. We're used to trying to fill ourselves up with what we want. We're, we're so used to just gorging on life that we don't understand that when we pour out our best before the Lord, what the Lord does is that he just makes room for more of his blessing in us. You never lose out when you pour out in front of the Lord. You never lose out when you sacrifice and you obey His Word. You never lose out on that which quenches your thirst. But if you drink from the things of this world and the things of this life, you will always be thirsty. But Jesus Christ is here to take our thirst away. He's here to quench your thirst. He's here to do it in a way that only He can. And, and I need you to think about where in your life you're just, you're just drinking water that has been crushed and put in a cup for you to drink because of the mistakes you've made, because of the life you've led, because of the commandments you've broken, because of the laws you refuse to live by, because of the rules you choose to change because of the truth that you alter, because of the principles you will not live by. God is saying, I have water for you that can change all that. Now, God, we see a prayer, a beautiful prayer. And the reason we see this prayer is because at one point, God says, look, I'm kind of done with this whole people thing. I want to wipe them all out. Like, they, they just don't get it. And I, I just want to start over with you, Moses. And, and Moses intercedes. They're like, no, don't do this. I, I'm here to fulfill the promise that you made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. It's like, I want to continue on that path. I don't want to be the new beginning. I want to be the continuation of what you have begun. I don't want to be the beginning of a new journey. I want to be the continuation of the journey that we've already been on. Can you not bless us? Can you not show us your favor again? Can you not lead us? Can you not bless us? And he's pleading with God, and, and God says, okay, I'm going to fulfill my promise. I'm going to give you the land. 
but I'm not going to go with you. I'm going to give you an angel instead. And Moses says, absolutely not. But we don't, we don't need an angel. We need you. Which is interesting because we live in a world that believes in angels more than they believe in God. A God who created People are more willing to follow angels and pray to them and believe in their protection than they are willing to believe in Jesus who commands them. It makes no sense for us to ask for angels when you can ask for Jesus by name. It makes no sense to rely on angels coming with us when God is saying, don't you get it? When I'm with you, my angels are with me. And wherever I go, they go too. Wherever I send them, they go too. But Moses understood this. He's like, God, if your presence doesn't come with us, here's what I know. I don't want to go anywhere. But here's the thing. What I've noticed in my life, and I've seen this in the life of many, that we will choose success over the presence of God more often than we care to admit. We will choose pleasure over God's presence coming with us more times than I care to admit. I, I think that if we're honest with ourselves, we're going to see that in this life and on this journey that we're constantly making decisions about finding the best path forward without necessarily experiencing the right path forward. And God's saying, what looks best in this world isn't often right. What's right is what I have said is right. You cannot take that which is unclean and make it clean no matter how hard you try. And what I see is a lot of us as, as followers of Jesus, we're always trying to take an unclean thing and make it clean. Have you noticed that? We're always trying to do that. We're trying to justify it. We're trying to, we're trying to make reasons for it. We're trying to say it's, it's cultural differences. It's this, it's that. We're trying to do everything that we can just to say whatever we need to say, just so that we don't feel or made to be felt like in the presence of others unclean. But there's only one way to be clean and, and blessed and prosperous, and, and that is by following what the Word of God says. And so in Exodus chapter 33, and in verse 12, it says that Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. But you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now then, if I have found favor in your sight in any way, then please let me know your ways so that I may know you in order that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence, this is God speaking, shall go with you. And then he says, I will give you rest. And then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we, I, and your people may be distinguished from all the other people who are on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Can we ask that the Lord bless the reading of his word to our hearts?
because I know that the Word of God can bless us in ways that even my explanation of it just can't do. We, we, are, we are feasting on the manna that is, that is His Word. His Word is what feeds us, is, is what nourishes us, it's what transforms us. And so here's what the promises are. Because if we're going to consider what it looks like to know who's coming with me, we have to see what God is saying in all of this. And the first thing that God says to us in this passage that we just read is that you know my name. Not only do we know God by name, but he knows your name. And that's so important because if you don't understand this part, then you're never going to feel special in his eyes. You're going to think that the people that are special in God's eyes are people like Moses, and that excludes us from that. But no, the way it works is that the blessing that is on Moses is on you. God doesn't just know his name, he knows your name. And because he knows your name, this is what he says in verse 12, I have not only known you by name, but you have now found favor in my sight. So not only does he know our name, but verse 12 tells us that we have also found his favor. So not only does God know you by name, but you have his favor. That means what you have been set apart for is for the privileged relationship and blessing that favor brings. You know, when someone walks in at a banquet, Jesus says, he teaches his disciples that you never take the best place, never take the best seat. Take the seat that is a reflection of the humility that you walk around this earth with, that is a reflection of my heart. And then when someone sees you sitting in a space and they call you up and they give you the best seat in the house, then that's an honor and a favor that you deserve. But don't walk around with the entitlement believing that wherever you go, you deserve the best seat. And so this is how we understand favor. Every day I choose to humble myself in the presence of friends and enemies, in this world, in this life, in every setting, because I always walk around with the favor of God. I have no problem humbling myself and becoming a servant leader and serving those around me because there is someone who knows my name and has already put his favor on my life. You see, there is no honor anyone in this life can give me, bestow upon me. There is nothing that they can do to improve my status in this world because I already have a God who knows me by name and has given me his favor. There is nothing that you or anyone, uh, anyone else can do for you, to you, or even because of you that is more important than God knowing your name and Him giving you His favor. Come on, you believe that? You see, when you walk around knowing that God knows your name, 
When you live your life knowing that God has given his favor on you, there is no one and nothing that this world can offer you that is better than that. And you will stay faithful to God because you have a relationship with him face to face where you know each other by name and his favor always resides upon you. And Moses was able to resist the greatest temptations. He didn't fall into the same traps, but he also saw that, that he could get closer to God. He saw that there was a way for this relationship to go deeper. And, and he knew that it could go one step further. And he realized that who came with him was going to be key. And so when he asked the question, who's coming with me, he's not thinking of the Israelites. He wants them all to come. He's not trying to exclude them. He's trying to include them. Right now, God is the one excluding them. When he says, who's coming with me, he's not thinking of Aaron because we know that Aaron was rebuked for what he did. And then there, after the rebuke, listen to this, there was 3,000 Israelites who still wanted to keep worshiping the calf that he had broken and ground into dust and made them all drink. There was 3,000 of them who refused. And so you know what needed to happen next? Well, everyone who was a Levite under the authority of Aaron had to kill the 3,000. It's a horrible story, horrible event in the way that it happened. There are details there that might be surprising you today. And so when, when Moses says, who's coming with me? What he's saying is, God, are you the one who's coming? Because I don't want to go anywhere without you. But here's what I know you need to do. You need to reveal your plans. I, I need to, to go into a deeper relationship with you. How many of you are tired of the confusion that sometimes is your life? Some of you are, are, are so like just exhausted from the journey, exhausted from trying to serve God and, and making decisions that kind of lead you away from God instead of closer to Him. Well, God is saying, don't you understand that when you enter into a relationship with me, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to reveal my plans to you. And that's what Moses is praying for. And in verse 13, he says, I want you to reveal your plans. He says, now then, if I found favor in your sight in any way, then please let me know your ways so that I know you in order that I may find favor in your sight. But you know, it's weird because God already said, Moses, I know you by name, and I've given you my favor. I promise you that you're going to make it into the promised land. I'm going to give you the inheritance that I said I would. But Moses is saying, no, I, I don't want that. I want you. And I don't want that without you. You see, many of us will choose the promise of the blessing without the blessing of the one who makes the promise. God is the one that we need. You see, without Him, even if He gives you the promise, many of us in this room would just take it. We're just like, okay, I mean, if that's the way it's going to be, I mean, it's where I want to go anyways. It's the blessing you're going to give me. I already appreciate that you know my name and that you've given me this favor and, and you're giving me this inheritance. I'm just going to take it. But Moses says, that's not enough. Can you get to the place in your life right now? Maybe you're there already. Maybe you can whisper this as a prayer right now in this moment. And you're going to say, 
out loud, in your mind, screaming it if you have to to God, God, I don't want just your blessing. I want you. That is my blessing. If I have you, everything will be blessed. Anybody else believe that today? Anybody else believe that? Trust God for that? And so God promises to reveal his plans to Moses. And he says, God, I'm going to promise to guide you. So when God makes a promise, the promise isn't just to reveal his plans, but it's to guide us every step of the way. And that's why in verse 14 he says, my presence shall go with you and I'm going to give you rest. And then part of 14 he says that I'm going to give you rest. So the promise isn't just that he's going to guide us, the promise is that he's going to give us rest. Sometimes we go on vacation, we come back, and we're more tired than when we left. We're just exhausted because we didn't experience any real rest. We didn't rest our minds. We didn't rest our spirit. We didn't rest our finances. We didn't, we didn't rest in the presence of God the way that God can replenish us and restore us, the way that he can bring multiplication into our lives. But God says that when we follow him, and we make this decision of who's coming with me. We say, God, it's you who's coming with me. No matter where I go, I want you with me. Then God says, I'm going to promise to guide you, and then I'm going to promise to give you rest. Many of us are exhausted because we don't spend time in the presence of God. You see, the day of rest is spent in the presence of God. We experience rest when we rest from our labors and spend it with the Father. When we spend it the way that Jesus did, where he ceased all activity, and then he poured his life out before the Lord and received the rest, the strength, the courage, the wisdom, the guidance, everything that he needed for the next step of the journey. See, God wants you to experience that too. So he doesn't just promise to guide you, he promises to give you rest. And then here's the, the key thing of the whole thing that we've been talking about, and it's in verse 15. And the answer here is go only if God goes with you. If you take this principle to heart, you will not make a bad decision in your life. Even if you don't know where it is in the scriptures that it's written, if this is a good thing or a bad thing, if this is a thing that's going to bless you or curse you, if this is something that is going to hold you back or propel you to the next level, I need you to know that all you have to ask yourself is this. The two things that Jesus brought to our attention, he took all of the law that was comprised on the tablets and all of the laws that were comprised by the scribes and Pharisees. 6,000 more rules. And Jesus says, I just need you to do two things. I need you to love God, and I need you to love people. If you will love God and you will love people, here's what's going to happen. My presence is always going to flow, not just in your life, but in this world. Because they are the banks of the river for the power of the Holy Spirit that needs to move powerfully in your life and in this world. 
And all you need to do is ask yourself, um, I do this. Does it love God? If the answer is no, then you don't go. All you have to do is ask yourself, does this love people the way that God wants me to? If the answer is no, then you don't go. And we will never be lost again. And we will always have the presence of God with us. And no matter what happens in this life, we will only go if God comes with us. Go only if God goes with you. And then he said, if your presence does not go with us, then do not lead us up from here. Moses says, I'm not going to go anywhere without you. Oh, man, I, I want that to be my prayer every day. I want that to be my conviction and my commitment. How about you? I don't want to go without you, God. I don't want to do this life without you, God. I don't want to experience the blessings of this life without you. I'm not going to settle for your angels. I'm only going to settle for you. I want you to come with me from where I am to where you need me to be, from what you have promised me. Why? Because you love me. You know me by name, and you've given me your favor, and you have set us apart for that blessing. And the last verse is verse 16, and it says, and it's not just by your going with us so that we, I, and your people may be distinguished. Look at this from all the other people who are on the face of the earth. This is what sets us apart, is that we have a God who goes with us. And that is what sets you apart today. Are you ready to receive that in your life? To have that in your life? Are you ready to experience that in your life? <laughs> to live according to this truth in your life? Look, I'm not saying it's gonna be easy. But the beautiful thing about God is that he doesn't just tell you what to do, he gives you the power to do it. And so every day when you feel like you can't do it, and every day that you feel like you're slipping back into your old ways, and, and you feel like you can't commit to what it is that he's saying and what he has said and what he's telling you to do in this moment, I need you to remember that when God says, I know your name, it's because he's in a relationship with you. When he says, I've given you my favor, it's because he has set you apart for his blessing. And you need to understand that in this moment, just like every moment of your life, God doesn't just reveal himself so that he can tell you who you're not. He's revealed himself so you can become everything that he has created you always to be. And that's who God is for you today. He is the one who has set you apart. So let's be set apart. And let's distinguish ourselves in this world and in this life. And from everyone else in this world, let us be different. Because when we serve God, we automatically are different. And it's because of his presence. God bless you guys. I'm going to pray that God blesses us. I'm going to pray his blessing on our lives. I'm going to pray that we would choose God more than anyone or anything else that we would be committed to him in the same way that he has made this commitment to us already. And so, Father, you see each person here, the blessing they are, the blessing they want to be, the blessing that they have 
been trying to experience, but also to bring to others. Lord, I, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them, that you would call them by name, remind them of your favor, give them your presence, so they can take the steps that they need to take in this life, on this journey that they are on. Lord, you are able to do so much more than what we are so accustomed to having. You don't want us to have scraps from your table. You want us to sit at your table and partake in the banquet that you have put before us. And so, Lord, right now, I want to pray that you would bless every person here who has a seat at your table, who has been put before a feast at your table, and that you would bless them and the life that they live for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only He can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you immensely.